Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another great guest. In fact, I saw this person live on stage, and he was absolutely incredible. He came out, he started speaking. I said, wow, this guy is unique. He's different. He's very, very great at presentations. And he really did a great performance. And sure enough, everybody agreed because it was a standing ovation. And right there and then I'm like, I, I got to get, get this guy on my show. Uh, so I'm very, very excited to have him here. He is an artist. He's an author. He's done a lot of great things. Very, very creative. Uh, he's been drawing from, since, since the age of five. And time and time again, he's been told that pursuing a, a life in art is going to be very, very difficult. And in fact, don't do it. But he found a way to do it and he's doing very, very well and also impacting so many different people's lives while doing so. Uh, in fact, he loves seeing the reaction on his client's face when he reveals that masterpiece to them and just wow. So please welcome artist, author, Mr. Sam Welty. Hello. Very hey. good to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, spending some time here. And uh, I can't wait to hear some of your stories. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, I got some stories, some of which I can't tell you, but uh, yeah, we're, you ask some specific questions. I'll answer them best I can. It's going to be good. It's all great. Um, so life as an artist, uh, how did you become <laughs> an artist and what is the life of an artist? Uh, the life of an artist is generally a wonderful balance between having the time of your life, doing what you love, uh, being really fascinated, really interesting, doing challenging, interesting things and then crying yourself to sleep at night. <laughs> um, it No, it's it, it's not usually that bad. However, it's a roller coaster. There's all kinds of ups and downs. You're having an incredible time and making more money than you've ever made in your life one month, and then nobody calls for a couple of months, and now you, I mean, you're still have that on your resume. You have the pictures that you took. You have the video that you might have captured, everything, but that money is dwindling away. Okay, where's my next commission coming from? Um, it's it's tough. You have to be versatile. You have to be creative. You have to get really good at sales and marketing and things like that that most artists don't tend to be, or at least not want to be. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a roller coaster. There's lots of ups and downs. Would you say that uh, it's very very similar or very very different than a a musical musical artist? I would say there's a whole lot of similarities. Music has this really unique thing to it uh similar to video if you make a movie you do a whole lot of work to make a movie or write a song and record it and then once you're done you can sell it over and over and over again there's all kinds of of rights you can you can license it to a movie you can license it to, to a tv show or a commercial any number of things now art does have like visual art does have ways that you can do that but they're not near as common and and people used to thinking of it that way so there, there's a lot of crossover but every single way of doing art has its own very subtle nuances that are specific to it mm -hmm. i find that uh do you find that it's a big issue with this day and age with all the digital space and all the social media where people can just go hey click and then they share your art oh oh click here's a here's a uh, memory of that photo or that that uh, mural that you've painted and then there goes there goes revenue, right? Uh, yes, there is. Um, that's that's something I've been hearing about ever since ever since digital cameras, or even before that, because anybody had a camera on them. Um, I've 
had conversations with artists where they're selling their originals at a convention or an, or a gallery showing and somebody can walk up and just take a picture of the thing and then go make their own print and resell it. Mm. And it is up to the artist to figure that out, to pursue them, to bear all the legal burdens until you can prove this or that. What if that person is in a different country? Do the laws even apply to them? There's any number of things. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you face that? How do you navigate? I that? don't. Oh, <laughs> um, it's it's always just a matter of someone of me finding out that they're doing it. If I don't know that they're doing it, there's nothing I can do mm -hmm. about it. When I do find out if they're doing it, it's not usually that common. I paint mostly wall murals. They're like big sides of buildings or in a church or in a restaurant. People take pictures of the artwork, but more often they're taking a picture of each other and the artwork is in the background. Yeah. It's, you know, the big thing where everybody wants to take a selfie everywhere in front of something, a backdrop that they find interesting. It's usually not a situation where they're taking my artwork and making a reproduction of it and trying to resell it against my will or without my permission. Mm -hmm. It's usually just taking a picture. And because my artwork is in a public space, they can do that anytime they want. Mm -hmm. And therefore, in your case, you actually want them to take print photos. You Absolutely. Want and hopefully you want share the right hashtags and, yeah. and tag me on Instagram please it's it's all promotion for me yeah now you mentioned that you started drawing at the age of five i'm yes. like lots of kids start doodling at a young age but for you 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 specified that that's the age you kind of decided this is what i want to do was there a i don't know if it was feeling? i'm sorry finish your question was there You're a specific right. feeling that you go you know what this is what i want to do for the rest of my life or somebody came up to you and go wow you got talent at the age of five Let's pursue that. Probably there was something like that. I don't have specific memories of ever, at least not at that age, saying, wow, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Because five-year-olds aren't thinking about what am I going to have as a career. Mm -hmm. If you ask them that, they say they want to be an astronaut or a fireman. And they do. Um, that's genuinely what, the, because they saw that on a movie. Um, I just enjoyed doing art. And you're right. At some point, somebody came up to me and said, hey, that's really good. And I, as a child, probably enjoyed having that praise. OK, I'll do that more. And I just kept drawing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very much of the opinion that every single person, barring, barring extreme circumstances, everyone has the ability to be just as good as, of an artist as I am, or mm -hmm. just as good a musician as anybody else, or just as good a dancer, or whatever. They're is always if you walk into a room full of five-year-olds and ask them who likes to draw they're all going to yell and raise their hands who likes to sing yay who likes to dance oh yay of course they're they're five they like to play and that's what art is it's a play your mm -hmm. form you're you're an adult allowing your mind to play mm -hmm. and at some point somebody says maybe it's your parent or your older sibling or your friend or whoever says yeah that's not very good or here do so or or put that silliness away let's go do something useful right. or you know, any number of things where as a kid and you're so because your maximum life experience is just the five years very little of which you can remember and almost none of which you can think about rationally so when someone in authority or someone who's a, whose opinion you value says you're not very good at that. You listen, you believe them, and you stop. Mm -hmm. I meet people all the time who 
who were really, really talented artists, they, oh, I used to love doing that. It was great. I used to do that. And I just, I, well, I don't know. I just got busy. I think they forgot how to play. And I meet people all the time who don't pick up any art supplies at all until they retire in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And they practice for a couple of years and they're incredible, better than I am. Wow. They're amazing. They do amazing work because they're relearning how to play. Mm -hmm. Now, you talked about how, how how there's a lot of people goes, yeah, you're not that great or uh, don't spend that much time on it. And you also said that, hey, don't take this as a career. But for you, there was a point in time you go, no, I can't make this happen because you enjoy it so much. Was there a specific piece? Was there a specific person that made you go, you know what? I can't make this happen. Um, not really that I can think of. There were a variety of influences, um, most of which the best influences were people who said, Sam, you're not that good. People have told me I'm not that good many times somebody will probably say it to me today mm. you don't listen you say no no no. this is what i'm doing with my life and i'm charging forward uh i don't know in your career have people told you you're not a very good podcast host or not a very good writer or mm. not a, what does their opinion matter right they're not the one putting themselves out there they're not the ones having the having the guts having the, the courage to say to the world, here I am, this is what I've got to offer. Of course you're going to, I mean, just look at social media. Haters are going to hate. Yeah. You don't listen to those people because what do they know? They think small. Mm -hmm. They think I couldn't do it. So you shouldn't either. Right. They're not worth, their opinion is not worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Now for yourself, when it comes to looking at a blank canvas, what inspires you? Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I have vivid memories of when I was younger, not being able to start anything. Uh -huh. Because when you look at a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper, it could be anything. The possibilities are endless. It, I, and I, I've got so many ideas and I can't even focus on one. I can't decide which one, one of these amazing, incredible ideas am I going to pursue. And the second you say to that blank canvas, boom. One stroke, 90% mm -hmm. of those possibilities disappear because they can't be what that is about to be. You have to narrow it down. And it's very, very tough to focus and down, narrow down to the one thing, to do the one painting, to write the one song, to make the one movie, because there's so many things you could do. Or to focus on that, that one real estate deal or that one guest for your podcast. Mm -hmm. So do you do you have something in mind before you start or sometimes you just go, I'll see whatever kind of evolves? Um, very rarely do I just do something to see where it goes. Um, because I am a commercial artist and I deal with clients who they bring me into their home or their, their office or wherever and because they have an idea. And my job is to listen to what they want and bring that to life. Um, sometimes you have to tell them what they need rather than what they want. If they say, well, I want this and I want that and I want that, let's boil it down. What is the message you want? If this is a biz place of business, what is it you want your customers to think? Mm -hmm. What do you want your customers to feel? Let's focus on that because they're the people spending money here. It's not about what you want. It's about what they will enjoy having them around them. And you have to remind them of that sometimes. And of course, 
I'm here to paint whatever they ask for and they're the one paying me. So if they say they want five different things that don't really go together and I can't change their mind, great, I'll paint that. And I'll make sure my signature is hard to find. Because <laughs> sometimes sometimes your vision, you you think that it's probably much better than what they have in mind. And sure enough, it will probably turn out much better than what they have in mind. But sometimes you're like, oh, how do I convince this person to go this way? And it, it sometimes infuriates you because the artist inside you is trying to break on going, you know, you know what? Why won't you listen? So do you go through a process trying to convince them otherwise or not? Um, I don't try to waste too much time trying to convince them because you can tell usually pretty quickly if they're going to be someone who is open to feedback. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they approach it with the idea of like, you know what? These are my ideas, but you're the artist, you know, it'll work. And they trust me. Mm -hmm. If they don't, I have just, you know what, this is not a good fit. Here's another artist. You can call them and they'll do whatever you want. Um, usually that's not the case. I've, I hardly ever have that happen. But if they won't listen, then I have a choice of walking away or just doing what they ask for. And then I still, inside of giving them what they ask for, try to make it what they need instead. And there's always those fun psychological things where you suggest things in a way where it feels like it was their idea. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you enjoy working on jobs where people go, hey, you know what? This is my this is my business. We want to attract people. Have at it. Or yes. do you want them to give you a lot of, I want this, 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 and this, this, this? Well, it, it depends on what they want. If they just give me a blank thing, I still want to have a lot of conversations with them to figure out what will serve them best. Because if if they're trying to sell hot dogs, now, depending on the city ordinances, if I'm painting a mural on the outside of their building, it has to be artwork. It cannot be a sign right like where i live if it's if it's a sign that says get your hot dogs here that's a sign not artwork doesn't matter how beautifully i paint it it's a sign and therefore the city ordinance won't allow that so if they just want to get attention to their building it doesn't matter if i paint a hot dog mm -hmm. i can paint a big giraffe and then we just figure out a way to say hey everybody come check out the giraffe and while you're at it buy a hot dog Right. Uh, there's there's a variety of different ways to go, but still painting a giraffe is not really going to get them the attention they might want. Mm -hmm. So if I figure out, OK, well, instead, let's because you have a building that is 30 feet tall and 60 feet long, let's paint an enormous wiener dog. Now, that's not a hot dog. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of wiener dogs you see in hot dog costumes yeah. around Halloween or any there's. There's a connection to can be made there, and it's funny. It sticks in people's minds. They see, okay, that's a hot dog place, and they've got a wiener dog on there, and it's clearly no connection on the face of it so far as advertising, but it sticks in people's head. So mm -hmm. you figure out what will serve them, and you act accordingly. Mm -hmm. uh, as an artist, do you like doing the reveal at one time, or do you like people coming in to see your progress? I don't really ever get that opportunity, especially if I'm painting something in their business or in their home. They're here all the time. Mm -hmm. They're around. Uh, if by chance I'm doing something on a canvas where I'm working on it on a different location and then I show up with the finished work, what I'll do is I'll tell them, okay, I'm going to be setting it up over here and I'll 
you know, and then just walk them to the ideal spot and tell them to turn around. And then they look and you get that big reveal moment. That is always a lot of fun, but it hardly ever happens. Mm -hmm. um, but still, there's a version of that that I do where almost every time, and it's a lot of fun to watch the progress. I start, and after a day or two of progress, it doesn't look very good because you have to build up the layers. And almost every client comes up to me at some point. It's not going to look like that, is it? Is, is that, are you, are you done? I don't know why they think when I told them it would take five days at the end of day two, they think I'm done. <laughs> but they're always disappointed. They thought it was going to be better. They thought it was going to be, they were like, I thought I hired a good artist. And then you just look them in the eye and you smile a little bit and say, no, I'm not done yet. Just trust me. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of day four, they think I'm done. And they love it. Mm -hmm. They're happy. They're over the moon. They're ready to write me a check. And then I say, wait, got one more day. The last day is called wow day. Those final little details, the little highlight, the, the glint of light off of something that's supposed to look like it's metal, the reflection in someone's eye, the highlights that make the forms pop off of the wall. All of that happens on the last day. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get the reveal. Even if they're watching you do it, you can see their face light up. And that's a lot of fun. Wow. What is, uh, what is one of the most interesting or most creative pieces that you've ever done? And if there's a backstory to that. Um, it's tough to come up with one because almost every project, the reason I love doing what I do, almost everything I've done is something I've never done before. Mm -hmm. Like even the presentation you saw that everybody seems to be going so crazy about. And I love that. That's wonderful. It was essentially a children's book about the business mentor, J.T. Fox. Mm -hmm. And every, we're at his event. Everybody loves him. Everybody is here for him. Yeah, the celebrities are great. Yeah, the speakers are great. And we're, we all love that. But JT is why we're there. He's the one who brought everybody together. And I had never done a children's book before. I have no interest in doing it ever again because it was a lot, whole lot of work. But it worked. It worked far better than I, than I ever could have hoped. It became this thing where everybody, oh, everybody, I, that was a moment. You're, you're talking about when I get to big, that big reveal. I had been working on that for months. I had been working and nobody knew except a couple of people on JT's staff who had a reasonable enough idea because I'm going to be on stage. They have to approve things, but they didn't, still didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. That was a big reveal. And it was me on stage by myself in front of hundreds of people hoping it worked and it did and it worked extremely well and now people are saying hey i want you to illustrate a book jt is saying hey maybe we can make make books together there's there's all kinds of opportunities that have come out of something i never would have intended i just wanted to do something creative mm -hmm. i just wanted i had a thought in my head of hey there's a great dr seuss book that everybody knows and loves fox and socks we got it, a guy named J.T. Fox. It doesn't take a rocket science to put that, <laughs> put that together. How funny would it be to write rewrite that book about this guy? And it shows creativity. It shows taking the initiative. 
it shows sticking thing that I stick through things that I will work hard to make something happen. I'll come up with something for this finger as well. It shows coming up with an idea and making it happen and making the splash that you intend, no matter what the obstacles. And believe me, there were a lot of obstacles. The book was the least of my concerns. I mean, getting there and up on stage was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it was a calculated gamble. And I have not yet seen all the ways that it's going to pay off. A lot of really great things are happening. A lot of great relationships that didn't exist before now mm -hmm. do. Right. And if I end up doing a lot more children's books, great. If I end up just because somebody liked the one that I did and they say, hey, can you paint this for me? Great. You have to be open to things. Mm -hmm. And I would say that because your original question, and I've gone off on tangents, was if there's any one particular project creatively that, that stood out. And right now, that doing that book and making that trip to that event and getting to know all of those people is a huge standout in my mind. It's it's the most recent. It's very fresh for me. Mm. But of all the things that I've done, I've painted a lot of art. But I don't think I have done anything that will have the impact of a simple little children's book about a silly <laughs> idea about a guy who is so big in business, he should not know or care who I am. Uh -huh. But for better or for worse, now he does. Wow. And a room full of people that are way above me in earnings, in integrity, in accountability, in all kinds of wonderful things. Just a room full of people who, who should not care who I am. And now they do. And all I'm sitting here doing is going, please don't screw it up. Please don't screw it up. It's it's going to be a lot of great. I mean, I, I'm I'm being interviewed on your wonderful podcast because of that. Right. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. I still would have gone on and been, been an artist and had a wonderful career and done all kinds of beautiful paintings. Mm -hmm. But I think big things are going to happen that weren't before. Well, and, and you have to recognize that opportunity and be willing to step forward and say, yes, I'll put it on the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to touch up, uh, touch on that, that uh, event a little bit, because it's not very common where you go to a business conference and you meet somebody who's, main career is an artist no right you talk to real estate investors you see business owners entrepreneurs and all of a sudden this guy comes up oh i'm an artist and yep. it's very rare so yep. for you is that something that you've that's unique to you compared to other artists do you actually put yourself into a lot of different groups and kind of network with different people and in different industries to get to get noticed in different areas or um, a one-off i no i I don't know how other artists go about things. What I observe is that it's very easy to deal with people that make you comfortable. It's very easy to deal with people that have the same interests, the same wants, the same desires, the same fears. And most artists tend to gravitate to other artists just because it's people who can talk on the same level. I don't know what it takes to do a real estate deal. But I know that somebody who can, does real estate has a skill set that I don't have. So if I can learn something from them, I want to. If JT Fox is dealing with billionaires 
And I know that throughout time immemorial, the extremely wealthy people are the ones who commission the best art. I want to make sure that JT remembers me when he is talking to some billionaire in some country that I've never been to. And the guy says, oh, we got to decorate these walls somehow. Oh, I know a guy. That can make all the difference in the world. And he says that over and over and over again. One moment, one risk, one gamble, one taking the taking the opportunity that you see in front of you. And yes, I'm going to take that. Most people don't because they spend their life surrounded by the people that are like them. And JT says it, a lot of other mentors of mine, whether the people I've met in person or just people where I've read their books, it's very important if you want to expand yourself, if you want to improve yourself, be the stupidest person in the room. Because everyone in the room, being smarter, more experienced, uh, better ideas, just able to make bigger things happen than what I can, just by proximity, I will start to rise to their level. And I love other artists. I enjoy spending time with other artists. I enjoy hearing about their projects and, and learning about what the problems that they're facing with. And I, I have a nonprofit that I'm, uh, that I'm uh, gonna be launching soon that is specifically designed to solve a lot of those problems. But I'm not gonna learn how to solve those problems by hanging out with the people who all have the same problems. I have to spend my time hanging out with the people who already know the solution because they figured out how to do it in real estate where an artist wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. They figured out how to do it in business where an artist wouldn't look. They figured out how to ask those questions that an artist won't think of. And they figured out the answers to those questions because why would an artist know? Right. That's where I'm, why I'm in events like uh, JTs and a variety of others. Because I have to be the stupidest person in the room if I'm going to get better. Well, I think that's very, very important insight because lots of people are so comfortable in those environments that they kind of ignore all the other stuff that's going on. Yes. But what they don't realize is when they put themselves into that other environment, they're the only one in that environment that yes. knows what they do. Yes. So it really and, it, puts... and it creates opportunities to stand out, just like Lance Carpenter did. He, he was... There might have been other musicians in the room, but he was the one who got up on stage and played his music for us. And now everybody in the room knows him. Exactly. And it's good because he's very good. <laughs> um, for yourself, was speaking something that you've always kind of aspired to do? Or was that one of the first experiences that you've done? Uh, it's not the first. I have done a variety of different things to try to train myself and get comfortable being on stage in front of people. Um, I'm sure that no matter who it is, when you're about to go on stage in front of a group of very powerful and successful people, you get nervous. I was extremely nervous, but also it was, the event was in LA and I live in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I told you that there were a variety of different challenges that came up just to get to that event. The book was a huge challenge in the amount of work that went into it, but also I didn't know that I was going to be able to get on stage until the last possible moment where it was guaranteed that I would be on there. And by that time, I had missed my opportunity to buy a plane ticket. They were outlandishly priced. So that meant I had to drive from Virginia oh, wow. to Los Angeles for four days to get there. And I spent that four days going over and over and over my lines in my head and playing it back. I made a recording and I listened to it over and over again. 
you make sure that the lines are solid because I know I'm going to be nervous. And I know that this is one of those moments that could make or break my life. Mm -hmm. So at very least, I'll know that, I mean, I, I can't get control if I go up there and one of my shoelaces unties, but I will take control and make sure that I know those lines. Mm -hmm. And I did. And my, they were solid in my brain. Honestly, being up on stage, I don't even remember saying half of it. <laughs> I know that it did happen. I know that I made it through the slideshow. And if I had said gibberish, people might not have cheered as much. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember most of it because it was on autopilot. I had just okay. programmed it in, just hit hit play, were, get through it. Well, it was phenomenal because once you got up there, I'm like, wow, this guy has stage presence. And he knows how to... He he knows how to present something with with passion and and uh, great. Like I said, it was it was a great experience for me because I'm like I've never seen something like that done on that stage before, and it was very much enjoyed it. It was awesome. Um, you you talked about challenges that you had to face. So whether it's travel challenges, um, artistic uh, challenges, coming up with an idea, how do you deal with a challenge? What goes in your mind? Do you take some time off? Do you take a break? Do you go, you know what? I'm just going to go right at it. How it you would be really it? incredible if I could take a break. <laughs> uh, usually you don't get the opportunity to take a break. Mm -hmm. um, I had been on a trip from Virginia where I'd gone to Missouri and then to Texas and then back. And right when I got home is when I found out that I would have the money and I would have the time availability on my schedule to make this trip. And that meant that I had to leave again in one week. Oh, wow. And I had written the book, but I had not illustrated it yet. And it had not gotten to the printer yet. I had had conversations with the printer because until I knew that I would absolutely be on stage, why waste the money on the printing? Yep. So I had one week to get that book illustrated, laid out, and printed before I would have to leave to make it to mega success. So that was, uh, obviously, before you can send it to the printer, it's got to be illustrated in color. And therefore, it was about four days of me sleeping. I was sitting at my computer right where I am now, just working on that, and I got maybe two or three, four hours of sleep per day. And that was a rough four days, but I got it done and then to the printer and they did an incredible job. They adjusted the layout, made everything look incredible. And they got a hundred copies made in two days. <laughs> they, they pulled out the stops for me just in time for me to get the box, put it in my car and start driving. So was that two days on top of the week? So you had a week to illustrate and then you no, had I had, I had a week to do everything. Oh, so awesome. that two days was in that week. I got it a day earlier than I thought I would. So it was four days of me illustrating and coloring and doing the layout and then sending it to them. They adjusted the layout so it would fit perfectly and got the printing done. All of that was within one week because wow. I actually got to start it on Sunday. And then on Friday, they handed me the finished a box full of a hundred copies of it. Oh, wow. Was there a moment in your, in that whole process where you go, Oh, please don't find something that I don't like. <laughs> yes. We were all very, very concerned about typos and whatever else. And again, because JT staff has to approve what I'm going to be doing. Cause they don't want me getting up there and embarrassing myself or embarrassing them. 
Exactly. Now, also, it's the week before Mega Success. They've got a million other things going on, every one of them, which is more, far more important than me. So getting them to respond, say, yes, you're okay to go. Actually, they did with the text. They never told me I was okay to go with the illustrations. I did send them, but they were so busy doing so many other things. And plus, several of them got sick, so they, they were short-staffed. There were not enough people to do, and they did an incredible job. Yeah. Even short staff, they did an amazing job. And thank God it happened. Mm -hmm. And thank God I remembered to, I thought to bring a backup because I had sent the slides ahead, but for whatever reason, it went to this person and not that person. And that person was the person who needed it, and they couldn't have access to it because it wasn't shared the right way. So they didn't have my slides. Wow. Whoosh. Got a backup. <laughs> Ready to go. That that's impressive. Um, I I could speak a little bit to that too. Like, uh, I I wrote a, a kids book dedicated to my daughter. Yep. And the illustrations alone, and the back and forth, and the changing, and the layout that took us a good ten months. Absolutely. So for you to get that done in a week and printed, uh, man, great job. Well. <laughs> Thank you. But it, it's also because I was the one doing the illustrations mm -hmm. and I knew exactly what I wanted and I knew about how long it would take to do each one of them. And of course, there were including the cover, the back cover, the inside pages and all the pages in between. There were 32 pages yeah. and not one of them. Or some of them were much more complex than others, like the page that has all the celebrities on it had to be, you know, I mean, it's a it's a very silly Dr. Seuss style, but I want them to at least look kind of like the celebrities. Yeah. Those took longer, but some of the pages I had to make very, very simple just to get them done. Mm -hmm. And because I'm the one who can do that, it does allow for a certain amount of power through it and you make it happen. If you were working with an illustration with with an illustrator who would come back to you and, you know, waiting for the email. And yeah, it easily can take 10 months or much longer. It was a very intensive four days. Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to go back to you painting the murals and yes, uh, finding the clients and whatnot. So when you have a potential client and the potential client goes, why you? What's what's going to make what's going to make my business different if I have you do this mural for me? How do you how do you answer that? Well, are you asking why me as opposed to another artist or why have a mural at all? Uh, both. OK. Um, if someone's well, that's actually very common where somebody says, yeah, I mean, I'd like to have a wall mural, but I don't need it. And they're right. That is an unfortunate thing about wall murals or any art that's going to hang on the wall. The wall doesn't need it. The wall holds up the ceiling just fine. It is fulfilling its destiny. But could it be more? Always. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming home from a long day and you want to sit in a room that makes you feel relaxed and like you're on vacation immediately, even though you've only gotten in and had enough time to take off your shoes, do the walls around you create that? No. The walls hold up the ceiling. That's what they're for. I can make it to where you feel like you're on vacation. Well, if someone says, why you as opposed to another artist, 
there's a variety of different answers because most other artists are extremely good at what they do. And I say, well, it depends on what you want. If you want my style of artwork and my style of customer service and my showing up when I say and not being high or drunk, if you want a artist who sticks to the price and sticks to the timeline and finishes more often than not early. And I'm not saying this to badmouth other artists because they, they do incredible work and they, especially now it's a much higher level of integrity than used to be. Um, like my mentor was drunk and high all the time. And that's one of the reasons I learned not to do that. Is it, is it not their inspiration? <laughs> well, maybe, I guess. Um, there, there's a variety of different things about being an artist and just dealing with, especially because all paint used to be oil-based mm -hmm. and the chemicals you would deal with would actually physically cause a craving for alcohol. So to an extent, I guess someone could say maybe it's not their fault that they go towards substance abuse, but there's always a choice. Right. Um, I just, I mean, I, I have a drink now and then, but I have no interest in letting something like that control me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, back to your, back to your question though, it just, it comes down to, does the client want what I have to offer or what they have to offer? Right. Uh, sometimes their objective is about the style of art. And I say, if you don't like my style of art, then absolutely choose another artist. If you, I want you to be happy in your room. And if you're not going to be, don't let me paint it. If it's down to price, then there's always an artist who's going to do it cheaper than me. Hmm. I'll give you the phone numbers of people who want it more expensive than me. Everybody has an artist who is their nephew who just got out of art school or maybe dropped out of school and lives on their parents' basement on the couch. I guarantee you that guy will do it at a better price than me. And will they finish in one week or will they start it not work on it for six months and come back. Oh yeah. What do you be, you know, just do you want a professional? Right. And they get to make that decision based on their needs. If mm -hmm. they only care about getting something cheap, then they're going to get what they pay for. Right. Cool. Um, do you have any examples that you can show on our shared screen here? Well, I'm going to see if I can pull some of that up. And as you're doing to explain it so that for people who's just listening, they'll get a sense as to what it looks like. Um, yeah, if you... If you want to uh, share screen, yep. or do I need to do that? I'll hit share screen. Yeah, you share screen. Yep. All right. Is Are you seeing that? Do, do we still have you and me in the picture? Because I'm, how can anyone possibly look at this without seeing our faces? <laughs> I'm seeing the, uh, the Zoom. You have the word Zoom on the front. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do then is select a whole bunch of this stuff and just open up a bunch of pictures and we will see how long my computer takes to open them. 
because this is really is the entertaining part. It's uh, seeing what technology will allow. Um, okay, you're seeing this now? Yep. This is a mural in St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, for whatever reason, the people of St. Joseph, Missouri has taken a like taken a liking to me. And this is one of six different large wall murals that I've done for them. This is a bunch of uh, music greats that are from the area, some of whom are still with us, some not. And it was just a fun, interesting project. I don't usually get to do things with bright colors and interesting things going on. Like this is the lead singer from the band Kansas. This is a jazz great named Coleman Hawkins and several other just local guys. Um, because St. Joseph, Missouri was founded in the 1840s, uh, of course, it also had a history during the Civil War. Oh, well. And so this is a mural that was commissioned to show the, the town's history during the Civil War. Uh, the fun thing about this is because it has nothing about the Confederacy in it. The original design did, and it was not about glorifying the Confederacy. It did not have a Confederate flag or anything like that. It was just about these are the characters or where I play at this city at that time. But unfortunately, the the painting of the mural was set to take place one month after and we, we had a schedule for months and a month before I was set to go out there, there was a church bombing based on racial hatred in Georgia. And it was all over the news and everybody started accusing me of glorifying the Confederacy and all kinds of wonderful things. I had just designed the thing that they asked for. And the, I know for a fact that the people who designed it had no interest in, in glorifying the Confederacy or any uh, racial issues at all. But that's what was in the news at the time. So we listened to the public. We listened to what people wanted and we redesigned it. And it turned into a really incredible mural. I was extremely pleased with it. And that's about 50 feet from the top to the bottom. Wow. Um, and how long did that one take? That took a little over a month because, you know, you can see it's got a lot going on. And it was July. It was hot. And that is a west-facing wall, so when the sun gets over there, it is warm. <laughs> do, do you get the call back to retouch, or do you just let it go? Um, I paint it with really good materials so that it is not going to deteriorate. Um, anything that is outside over time will deteriorate. There's nothing you can do about it. The sun and the rain and the heat and the cold, they take their toll. Um, I usually do not have a thing signed up to, because I can't predict that the, the weather and the elements is usually the least of your concern. If you're painting a mural on top of a building and the building owner says, yep, go ahead and paint it, but the wall is falling apart, painting a mural on top of it is not going to hold it together <laughs> unless you add more stuff to the surface, which amplifies the cost and the time incredibly. It can easily take three or four times longer to do that. And I have seen murals where they're done in this way, where the mural is literally holding the building together. They are that strong, but it's a lot more time and a lot more money. And usually they don't want to do that. So, you know, if the building is falling apart, there's only so much I can do. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorites. Um, the This side of the building, I don't know if you can see my cursor here. This side of the building, as it goes farther down, 
was the first mural that I did, and it was about westward expansion, which is that uh, the city of St. Joseph had been an enormous dropping off point where people cross the Missouri River and head into the great wide unknown. Um, and so the mural was about that, and it was a success. Everybody loved it. But the one thing that was left out of that mural was that it wasn't the great unknown. It was already populated by a lot of native people who had been here for a long time. And it didn't, the mural, the original mural did not tell their story. Mm -hmm. So the next year they decided they wanted to paint this side of the building coming around the corner here. And we knew exactly what it had to be about telling the people that were here before and how did it affect them? So I went out and interviewed the tribal elders and figured we worked out a, a, uh, a design for everything. And these are actual uh, uh, elders through the, through the years from that tribe. And it was a really great addition to that wall mural. Well, this one right here is a military tribute where I live near Virginia Beach. And this is just a continuation of the same wall. Actually, the, in this picture, the mural is not even done yet. You can see the, the faces aren't mm -hmm. painted yet. I just love this picture because it shows the scale of the people walking in front of it. Now, this one... It's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite mural that I've ever done, but it is pretty unique in that it is the largest beer I have ever painted. <laughs> yeah, because the, the Blue Moon has uh, opened up restaurants all over the place, and they wanted an enormous Blue Moon beer painted on the wall, and I got to do that. And I got to tell you, it was loads of fun getting over this patio and underneath that awning and around that light. Mm -hmm. And between that light and this bridge to get over there was just an enormous pain, but it was successful. And it was a, it was a fun project. And in a military town, you very often get to paint American flags. Uh -huh. And this here is one of my favorites, just because that before we did this, that entire structure was a new office building that they had built inside of this hangar. And it was just bare plywood. I mean, it was simple construction. It was what they needed but it had no personality. Mm -hmm. So to, to do that American flag or uh, boiling and reeling all the way around that corner, it was a lot of fun. And of course, another military tribute because, you know, people are big around here on that and the, and uh, Memorial day and veterans day. And to this, this is specifically designed. You don't see any of these people's faces. And this is a picture of the finished mural, the entire thing. Uh, well, it's well. it's meant so that people envision themselves or their loved ones in that role, as opposed to showing them who it is. It's left for the viewer to imagine who it is. And of course, what would a gym be if you didn't have a good Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> And then, of course, you'll have uh, the DAV that does a lot of work with wounded veterans and disabled veterans and encourages them to be active in their communities and active in sports and physicality. So this mural was a fun, quick one for the local DAV chapter. And I do not live very far from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, which was the spot where the Wright brothers had their famous first flight. 
So this is a mural that is on is in that location. This is not far from the hill where they actually did that flight. Cool. This is a fun one right here. This is a, uh, a, a local state farm agent. And he was in the Marines and very proud of that. And he wanted a whole lot going on, but to do all this in full color would have been incredibly tedious and difficult to do. Um, and therefore would have taken a long time and cost a lot to meet his budget, but still to, this is one of those opportunities like you asked before, difference between what they want and what they need. If they need something that is really complex, but their budget doesn't reflect that, mm -hmm. then I can do something very, very complex. And if I'm only using three or four colors, that means that I don't have every color in the spectrum to worry about. I only have to worry about high contrast, light, dark, just creating the textures. And you think, how can you make an American flag and a Marine Corps flag and all of the scenery and one of the, the, the best looking uniform in the military out of only four colors? Mm -hmm. You can do it. That's still an American flag. It doesn't have red or blue in it. The Marine Corps isn't bright red and yellow, but you know what it is and you can tell and you can see that character in there. And that was, this was just a fun project getting to, uh, getting to deliver that in a way that suited them. Mm -hmm. well. And then of course this one, uh, actually this is a close up. I'm going to go to this one. This is the entire wall wow. where they wanted to fill this enormous space and they had a decent budget, but this is an enormous space with a lot of space to fill and a lot of, you know, difficulty to it. So except for some of the color highlights here that you see with the reflections and with the red that's in the stripes, everything was done in three or four shades of blue. Wow. And of course, sometimes you just got to do something fun for a kid's hospital. <laughs> now, this one is a mural that I did in the first month of COVID. When, when COVID lockdowns started happening, I had all of my food stockpiled and I stayed in my apartment for about a week and I got extremely bored and decided to get on the phone and start contacting various people who might help me. And we ended up doing this enormous uh, tribute to all the service professionals, whether they're medical or law enforcement or uh, just right down to the people making deliveries and working at the grocery store. Suddenly, all those people are on the front line of what we didn't know what the pandemic was going to be. Right. It turned out to be an enormous pain in the butt for a variety of different reasons, but it and a lot of people were lost. And we didn't know it could have been a lot worse. We didn't know. So all of these people immediately, they were just people who had their jobs and were doing their jobs, but suddenly they're heroes. So this mural is uh, was produced right out of that. So while during the thick of when COVID was happening, and luckily while we we're painting this, everybody could remain socially distanced <laughs> because it's a big wall. There's plenty of space for everybody who's painting. Mm -hmm. And just some close-ups of that. And because that happened, this is right across the street. This restaurant owner said, hey, I want a mural on my job. So that just, it came out of doing the other one. Wow. And this is a little bit south of where I live, where there's a Coast Guard base. This is just one of the buildings there on base to do something for them.
And then in Athens, Tennessee, and I had already done one mural in Athens, Tennessee. One of my favorite things to do when I'm painting is to tell stories, interesting things that people that that make the world a different or a better place that maybe people don't know about. And the fun story behind this mural is that in 19, it was 1919 or 19, pardon me for being unclear about the about the date. There was an amendment put into the Constitution to allow women to have the right to vote. And of course, the women's suffrage movement have been working for decades to try to get to this point. And it was finally an amendment before Congress that they had voted to recognize and that the president had signed. And now it had to go out to the states to be ratified into the Constitution. Well, and the state it, an amendment to the constitution requires a two-thirds majority and the states were divided right down the center two-thirds this two-thirds no mm -hmm. and except for one state the state of tennessee everybody else had voted all the numbers were in except for tennessee mm -hmm. and tennessee would determine the future for women's right to vote forever and all of the senators and all the counties, all of those numbers had come in. They were divided right down the middle, fore and, a bit, fore and aft, except for one guy. Yeah. And it came down to this gentleman right here, Harry Byrne, who was one of the youngest senators in the history of the state and probably the country. He was 23 years old, I believe, at the time, a state senator. And it came down to his vote. And he was the one guy who cast one vote to determine if women would have the right to the vote forever. And he got a, a note from his mother the night before the vote. Because I believe he, he had been a no up until that point. And his mom reminded him, I mean, it's easy to think of this being a thing where his mom guilt tripped him into it. I don't think that at all. And I've had conversations with his relatives. Mm -hmm. It didn't come across that way at all. She wrote him a note, and this is some of the text of the note from right behind, reminding him, this is not about me, and it's not about the women now. It's about all the women in the future, and this is for them not for us now. And so he changed his vote. And that one guy made the difference for half of the population who didn't have the right to vote now. And now they did because of him. Well, so he is the only man in this and everybody else in this mural are leaders and visionaries from the women's rights movements. And this quote here is from Ida B. Wells, who is featured right here. And she not only was a women's suffrage movement, but also an equal, equal rights um, advocate. And she says, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. Mm -hmm. And that was just, I love telling stories like that. Because people don't know that it was one guy who made the difference for a lot of people. Well. Going back to it, back to that COVID mural, this is, I didn't have a shot before of the entire thing. 
Yeah, so this is about 60 feet tall and something like 120 feet. Actually, it's a fair amount more. It might be 150 feet long. Wow. This is a Montessori school near where I live, and they wanted something bright and hopeful about children and education and the potential that they bring to it. So this is one of those opportunities where, like you had asked, when a client just says, come up with something really cool. Mm -hmm. I got to let my imagination run wild on this one. And you can see it's it's rather unique in the artwork that I do where the colors are really bright and vibrant. And of course I had to go and these are all teaching tools that they actually use in Montessori school classrooms. So I incorporated all of those things and I actually took pictures of some of the students that are in the class. And these are not, not portraits because I didn't want to put faces of real kids yeah. up there on public view, but they're all inspired by that. Like the, the clothing that they wear and things like that. And this is one of my more recent murals. This is in Rockdale, Texas, outside of, of Austin. And they contacted me through a mutual thing. I had no idea who they were until they gave me a phone call. And there was a famous cattle trail that used to run right through their town, right through this field of grass that you see in front of the wall. There used to be a cattle trail that went through there mm -hmm. called the El Camino Real. Wow. And they wanted to have a mural about that. And I had had in my head the idea, because having grown up in Texas, I had the idea in my head for years of how it would be to have one cowboy in a forest of death. <laughs> like he does one thing wrong and he gets trampled or impaled or any number of other things, but he goes to work and he does what he has to do. Wow. And I just, I'd always been fascinated by that idea. So when they called me and said, Hey, we want to tell a story about a cattle trail. And they were sending me pictures of the trail they had written books about the history of it. It was very interesting stuff. But the pictures were of here's the building where the cattle trail used to be. Here's the river where the cattle trail used to cross it, where you can see that the bank is all torn up. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But I didn't want to do a mural of here's this building and here's this river and here's you know a map that has the trail traced on it. Yeah. That would have been historically accurate, but it would not have been interesting at all. Right. I wanted to tell the drama because it's always about the people, whether you're doing a tribute for the military or whether you, because the military in the movies, you see the tanks, you see the, 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 the jets, you see the ships, you see all these really cool things, but the drama, none of that, that stuff just sits in the parking lot until the people get involved. Mm -hmm. That's where the drama is. That's where the story is. And so it's a military tribute or whether it's a COVID tribute or something about the school or anything like that. If you figure out where the people were and what they were dealing with, mm -hmm. because when you're passing that building or when you're driving a bunch of cattle across that, that river, it's the people who have to figure out how to do that without dying. And many of them did not succeed. Mm -hmm. So that's how I wanted to tell that story. And I, that, that hardly, I can't think of a time when that has ever failed. When you take you when you make the story about the people and about the drama that they had to deal with, mm -hmm. that's where people can connect to it. Right. And wow. This is one of my favorites. 
Very cool stuff. Very inspiring. I'm going to stop sharing screen now. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that uh, inspiring slideshow because there's a lot of great stuff there and I, I enjoy a lot of it. And it's very impressive that you're painting these huge murals on the side of the, uh, of the wall. And man, that takes a lot of time. But the, the effect, that feeling when you're standing in front of it must be absolutely incredible. So uh, thank you very it, much. It is that. a lot of fun. And I, I always enjoy being up in the air. I guess, uh, you know, I had a cape and when I was a kid and I wanted to be Superman. So this is the closest I get to flying awesome. and being up in the air and creating something that people can are going to be seeing for 20, 30 years that they might be inspired to make the world a little bit better place. And I'll never meet them. Mm -hmm. And that's OK. Awesome. Well, our time has gone by very, very fast. Uh, I got to enjoy a lot of great artwork and a lot of great stories. Um, if you had one message, your legacy message to share for, to the world for everybody you remember Sam for, what would that message be? Don't put me on spot or anything. <laughs> um, the world is waiting for you. The world is waiting for you to make it better. Look around you. There are a lot of things that need to be better. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of obstacles. They don't fix themselves. You have to make them better. If you wait for someone else to do it, it's going to be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. Use what you have. I have my art. Someone else has their music. Somebody else has their, their gift for numbers. Somebody else has their business drive to, for success. Make the world better. And don't wait for someone else to do it because you are the one. Use what you have, learn something new, meet new people, put yourself out there, take that risk. Because if you don't, nothing happens. <laughs> great. Thank you very much. Uh, great words to live by. And I'm hoping everybody takes that to heart. Uh, before I let you go, I got five very, very rapid fire questions for you. Give oh, me boy. To come, come to your mind. Stranded on a deserted island, what's the one food that you would like to eat for the rest of your life with no consequence? Chips and salsa. Hollywood calls and go, hey, we want to do a biopic on you. Who would you like to cast to play you? Uh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan shows up at your door and says, hey, I got casted for your for your uh, role. Uh, I'm hungry. You go, don't worry about it. I'm going to go fix you something nice. What's that special dish that you could create? Guacamole. You are about to win the gold medal in something. What is that something? Curling. <laughs> and my last question is what is success like but before that give me a number from one to four from one to four three. One, two, three. so if you were to relate success to a bulletin board how is success like a bulletin board success is like a bulletin board in that a bull bulletin board is basically a map where you can play out your future a bulletin board hangs on the wall and is completely worthless unless you use it as with all tools a hammer uh, a drill a fork. They just sit there. The bulletin board just hangs there. You use it and you can map out any future you want. And if you don't, nothing happens. Nicely done. Thank you very much. So that is how success is like a bulletin board. Um, any last words from you that you would like to share? Uh, no, it, it's been such an incredible pleasure. It was great meeting you. Uh, it was great meeting everybody at the mega success event. Um, 
I can't wait for the next one. Obviously, it won't be a mega success, but something is going to happen. You know it will. JT would not rest without <laughs> doing something great, and I'm just looking forward to being there to see it. Awesome. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you or reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, my website is samwelty.com. Uh, it's a brand new website, and hopefully it's up and running. We are had um, the transition going on. It's S-A-M-W-E-L-T-Y.com. Or for uh, Instagram is a really great because it's where I can easily share my pictures, which is at S-W-E-L-T-Y. A-R-T, S-Welty Art. Great. And of course, email and phone are on my website. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so everybody, make sure you connect with Sam here. Uh, find him on Instagram. He has a lot of great photos in there too, that he shares. Um, I went a deep dive on that too, and it was a lot of great inspiring um, artwork that you've shared. So thank you very much for that. Um, once again, thank you for being here. Thank you for your time, your stories, your, your art show there. Uh, for everybody else, he is Sam. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later. Thanks a lot, Fong.